gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Gozer back here to deliver another fine MMA Junkie Radio episode, approaching 3,300 episodes. We get fired up for all of them. Let me tell you what's going on with this one. We obviously are going to talk about PFL, Playoffs 9. So it's basically the third week of playoffs for the PFL. It's our ninth week of fighting here in 2022. Don't ask me to get going on their SEO on how they label their fight cards. It's confusing as F. UFC 278 on Saturday. We're going to talk about that as well. Usman versus Edwards. Costa versus Rockhold. Valashvili versus Aldo. We got two guests, Chris Wade and Kayla Harrison, both from the PFL card. We're going to catch up with them. And, of course, you'll get a few reminders of our watch-along on Saturday. UFC 278. 8 Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, here on MMA Junkie. All right, so um, we are going to start with PFL since obviously goes it's taking place first in the week. In the weekend of fights. Oh, and by the way, it's not like I've forgotten about Bare Knuckle out in London, England. I don't know if you saw the face-off earlier with Perry and MVP. That Dave Feldman, man, he plays with fire. He let them get really, really close. Um, It got me fired up. Can't wait to see that. And, of course, uh, the big boxing match taking place this weekend. A rematch of Joshua versus Usyk. Usyk is now the favorite. He's from the Ukraine. And uh, Joshua, of course, the 2012 Olympic gold medalist and former champion. Three belts are at stake here, man. This is a big, big fight. It's WBO, IBF, and WBA. So there's, you know, a few major belts out. Sorry. Uh, IBF, WB, yeah, WBO and WBA. So WBC is not uh, at stake here. But by the way, that's all boxing talk. As far as the PFL goes... Because you know where I stand. Wade versus Lochnane is kind of my main event. No disrespect to the uh, very talented Kayla Harrison. It's just that what, what she's shown me is what I come to expect, and that's just a steamroller, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what we're going to see there. I think the other one's just going to be a little bit more competitive. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. I think they got the odds wrong on that one. Uh, they have Chris Wade as a pretty decent favorite. I would have him as the favorite, but I think that fight's going to be a lot closer. Uh, I can't wait for that. That's about as even as it gets. And that's a killer division, right? Like that, I think that's one of the PFL's better divisions. So um, that's the fight definitely to look for. Right behind it, though, George, honestly, I- I'm just intrigued by this MVP and uh, and Mike Perry fight, too, as well. So it's going to be a fun week of, of, uh, of fighting. I say fighting because... Everything's pretty much represented this weekend. Yeah, no doubt about that. And secretly, I think we all want Pacheco versus Harrison. No disrespect to to Jindrova and Cole, 
Kolsnick. I'll tell you what, the one thing I've come to expect from PFL is to expect the unexpected. So let me ask you this, goes. I think it's going to be um, it, Wade versus Lockman. If you asked me seven times this week who I think is going to win, I, I would have given you four four Wades and three Lockmanes, which is basically a tip of the hat of which way I'm leaning. Um, And then I think Jenkins is going to get past Kudo. So do you think Pacheco versus Harrison and Jenkins versus the winner of Wade and Lockname, is that pretty much kind of the script already has been written? It would take one hell of a surprise for it not to be? Yes. However, you said it yourself. Expect the unexpected with PFL, and I have a feeling that is going to be – that's not the way it's going to go down. I just have a feeling it's not going to be that way. So my question to you is, what would be the big upset if it happened? Leave Lochnane and Wade to the side. Who do you think is most likely to get upset? Jenkins, Pacheco, or Harrison? Likely Jenkins, I think. Um, There's something about – I don't know why, man. I feel like – I don't want to say this is Pacheco's year. But I just feel like she's got things dialed in here. So, yeah, it's going to be Jenkins. But I do feel like with the ladies, maybe one of them might lose. We'll see. I don't know. PFL is nuts, man. Shit always goes down like that. So we'll see. Now, give me a prediction for Perry versus MVP over at Bare Knuckle. I am going to go with Mike Perry only because this type of... uh situation that bare knuckle has they make it so that like i mean look at paul Pauly Molinaji. that's that is a polished boxer who came in and had problems and he had problems because he tried to box and i think that just doesn't work here in bare knuckle um you see a guy like mvp he's used to if you look at his stance like for mma his stance is very wide he covers a lot of ground he would have had to pretty much change all of his striking for something like this yeah. And I don't know that he's prepared to be in that close quarter combat with nowhere to run. And not that MVP runs, but he's got a lot of movement. So I feel like uh, it's going to be a little bit of a repeat of that type of fight where it'll be somewhat close. But I think Mike Perry will just uh, maybe overwhelm MVP a little bit. It might be one of those where at the end we go, man, I wish MVP would have done more. But I don't know that MVP... Every time somebody does this bare knuckle, they say it takes like one or two to figure it out. Mm. And then you finally get going. MEP's just coming in there like that blindfolded. So I'm going to lean towards Mike Perry on that one. Me too. I think in a, in a street fight, I like MVP. In an MMA fight, I like MVP. But in bare knuckle, boy, he's going to have to win a real boring one, in, in my opinion, if he's going to win because he's you know there's he's got to have to engage a little bit and his style is just i mean he's got to revamp his style um so i don't like his chances too much just seems like there's a lot there but if you were to give him like if if you were to tell me we're going to give him three fights or maybe even two at bare knuckle and then parry then i think he'd have ample time to to adjust and i think malianaji was probably one of the best examples you can give um johnny bedford boxed a lot he fought in the ufc he also boxed and i remember him telling him saying 
it is an adjustment. You know, you're going to get hit. Um, and there's parts of your face that are going to hurt more than they usually would when you get punched with a bigger glove. But anyway, it's going to be a fun fight. I think they picked two great names to throw in there that caught us off guard. So I'm down. And then, uh, you know, I'll just throw this in there, even though I've been talking about it so much all week. Usage versus Joshua. Um, you know, the first fight was an upset. Joshua was the was the favorite. And Joshua did get back on Ruiz, but I think Ruiz really let himself go, <laughs> which is sounds almost ridiculous because he looks like he's almost let himself go every day of his life. But you could still tell when someone puts in the work and Ruiz was enjoying the finer life of being a champion. Joshua seems to make adjustments, so I like Joshua to maybe even the score, and then I'd love to see a part three, but story of a Ukrainian fighter fighting for a bigger cause, and, you know, what a joy, what a lift he would give to his country after everything they've gone through. 2022 in the Ukraine is, you know, I wouldn't call it the um, the death of the country or the end of the country, but for many, it's been literally, and it's going to take such a rebuild. Um. And so these are just going to be those moments that I think the athletes can do to, to, to lift the country. So maybe part of me is rooting for Usyk to win. Yeah. Hey, uh, just to, I don't know what you keep bumping or whatever you do. You go from being like a five on your audio to like a 10. Um, no. 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 Sorry about that guys. But, uh, yeah, I'll keep talking while George figures this one out. And uh, yeah, BKFC is, is always fun, guys. Like, if you don't have that app, they don't ask much of you. All they ask of you is, what, $5.99 a month or something like that? It, it's so much fun. And you just like, you don't even have to pay attention to the whole thing. It moves really quickly. You can have it on in the background. But uh, I, I like to watch it, dude. It's, it's really become a lot of fun. And, you know, they're having a card in Peru, which is where our family's from. I might have to make it out there, man, to see Luis Palomino, who is almost kind of like the goat of uh, of BKFC now. If you look at how many fights he's had there, how many title defenses. Unfortunately, uh, Paige Van Zandt will not be on that card. Uh, she was a little pissed off about the whole pullout situation and all that. And I get it. You know, Austin Vanderford, her husband, just fought. They're probably on the same schedules as far as diet wise, and just it, it'd probably be pretty tough to to be a couple in mixed martial arts. And they probably just wanted with Austin's fight being done for her fight to be done. Who knows how many people have maybe traveled uh, that way to the to uh, to kind of bring up another fight? You have to remember Austin Vanderfort. He fought in I want to say Ireland. And uh, they had people go that way. So it could be that, you know, the frustration of I had all these people come out and now I can't fight. I don't know. But it's got to be tough being a couple. And and I imagine one guy, Austin's already got his fight done. She just wanted to get her fight done and they can go back to enjoying life. That's going to be a little postponed now. But uh, but other than that, yeah, it's a good card. You bake. How do I sound? Good. You know, the little Jack Russell is wandering around. I think he may have I, bumped the cord, and I think that's what happened. 
actually, I saw you hit something. It happened twice. Just go no mic. Just just leave and go no mic. Um, but I'll keep going here. Uh, PFL, it's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. But really, I think it's all about the UFC. It's all about the watch-along that George and I are going to be doing on uh, MMA Junkie, the Panda. But uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. You guys have to tune in. We always do something cool here uh, with uh, what we do on our watch-alongs. And that's going to be a fun card as well. Dana White was kind of getting a little bit of heat over what the media says, what fans say. But you know what? Sometimes I do come to the guy's defense, and I really think uh, I think he's right. You know, it's always that card that we always say maybe just isn't as stacked. That's the one that we end up having so much fun over. And I think this is one of them. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because a lot of things are going to be solved in this big puzzle that is the bantamweight division. And uh, that's when you know, like when things are on the line, that's when you get most excited. At least for me, I like there to be a story. And I feel like there is a story here with uh, the bantamweight division. So I think that's going to make things very, very interesting for all of us. And then at the, and then you're rewarded with, finally, we get to see this Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman rematch here. And we get to, as soon as that's over, I think that's when we start talking about Kamaru Usman if he gets the victory, which we all sort of believe he will. That's what he's missing is just title defenses. And so that's going to bring up another conversation of, is this the fight where maybe Kamaru Usman catches up to a George St. Pierre, we don't know. But I think all that is enough recipe for you to tune in. Tune into that and our watch. Ain't that right, George? Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty cool. So there's that. And then there's a little bit of almost like a movement, guys, that I feel like we uh, want to say that we might have had a, a little bit of a spark in. And that was, I don't know if you guys caught spinning back click. But in spinning back click, you know, we go over five different topics every week on MMA Junkie. And one of them was Dana White and his comments from a GQ. Now, okay, here's the thing. We all say GQ interview. It was more of a Q&A, right? And in one of those, he gets asked about fighter pay. And he just feels like he was doing something that was fun he was upset that people actually wrote a story on it. But look, man, when you're a major person in uh, in the sport, everything you say is under a microscope. You have to know that by now. And we had a little segment where we talked about that. That kind of got thrown around. Uh, he was asked about it by other reporters. We've heard fighters. You know, Francis Ngannou on Twitter was talking about sponsorship that he's missed out on. We had Luke Rockhold go off. It kind of became a big deal, and I think it's something that we always see when the UFC gets pushed into a corner. They usually come back with something. I remember the first one was the the insurance, right, the health insurance. Um, I think they try and do something that kind of shuts everybody up for a little bit. Then they had the PI when all this stuff started coming out again. I think they're going to be kind of pushed into another corner where they're going to have to make some kind of adjustment, whether it's the bonuses or pay or something. But I really do feel like something will come out of this one. Uh, George, you saw Dana White lose his mind. What do you think of all that? Um, I'm not using this mic, by the way. I think you may have had me on mute. So, uh, all right. 
what was my opinion on what he said after Dana White Contender Series? Yeah. You know, I just think he is just a bad communicator because he needs to clarify. Like, I agree with some points that he makes. I loved when he said, you eat what you kill. I thought it was one of the most powerful things he said in a while. And it was actually pinpoint accurate. You're only as good as what, A, you negotiate, and B, I guess, what they're willing to pay you. Like, there really isn't anything that says they have to pay you this much. His mistake is the comparison he made himself to the big league sports years ago. And we don't have to hold him to it if we don't want to, but he's done it a lot. Every year, you know, he talks about how they're, he still sticks to he's going to one day be the biggest sport ever. And But finally what happened was through the, lit- the litigation of those associations and those unions that tried to get together, there's one of them with involving Ron, Randy Couture and Nate Corey and John Fitch, Kong Lee, that's gotten far and they've gotten what's called the discovery phase of, you know, their case, I guess, where now uh, a lot of previously unknown financial statements have come to light. Some of the fighters would, you know, bring to light their own personal stuff, but now we actually had a little bit more access across the board. That and the company going public, you know, things are a little bit more transparent now than they than they used to be. Problem is, we're all so excited to talk about fights every weekend, but there's very little to talk about this. But when it happens, yeah, we co- we all come in pretty strong. And going back to the original question, I just think he's a, a poor communicator of it because he's the only one that does media for the whole company. When have you ever seen Sean Shelby or Mick Maynard other than on our show? And I imagine maybe a few select others. And I'm not saying that as a pat on the back to us, but we had – Sean Shelby, when he was the WEC matchmaker, he didn't have it in his contract that said he couldn't do matchmaking or sorry, interviews. Joe Silva couldn't do our show because it was in his contract that he couldn't do it. And then when the WEC got folded into the UFC, Sean Shelby could no longer do it. McMaynard, we talked to when he was a promoter over at LFC. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just Dana White. So, basically Dana has a little bit of patience in him. And then at some point his mechanism is to just start cussing and yelling and pivoting and things like that. But you know, you're, uh, I'm, I'm going to be generous and say that at 20% of revenue goes to the fighters. Mm, your own quotes are going to hurt you because when he gave that kid, that kid, that money, the 250,000, he said, these, these guys have done a lot for the company. And I bet you that kind of pissed off some of the fighters, man. Fighters have done a lot for the company, too. Without the fighters, there is no UFC. And therefore, for only one-fifth of the revenue generated by the company to go to the fighters, that's just, I, you know, it, it's hard to stomach for some people, especially traditional sports fans that see a 50-50 split between the owners and the athletes in all the great sports that have history and longevity and you know, incredible fandom here in the United States. Uh, and then you got boxing, sorry, and then you do have boxing, which is more of an 80-20 split the other way. It just doesn't measure up. 
again, they have the perfect business model where they can give you San Diego, sell it out, and all of us come in on Monday going, wow, did you see the fights in San Diego? Because it's a great sport. That he was money on, you know, to recognize it, to get his partners to back it, and to finally get it in front of enough eyeballs that they can be in this situation. But still, any successful company is only as good as its employees. And, you know, the, the employees turn over on three-year, five-year, ten-year cycles. And, you know, so by the time the, the younger fighters really, really want to, like, cash in, they're older and not needed as much. And so mm-hmm. but they're also not willing to take that stand and go, you know what, we're going to sit it out, and I'm going to talk to my homies, and they're going to sit it out for the future. You know what I mean? Nope. Not in this sport. We got too many selfish people in this sport, you know, across the board, not just the fighters. And so then the UFC knows all this. That's why it's just this vicious cycle that's probably never going to end. But it doesn't mean that we can't do our jobs. That's why when he says, mind your business, this is our business, fool. We're the media. We cover the stories that involve mixed martial arts, including coming in on a Monday and saying, did you see UFC San Diego? There was some fucking chaos, some submissions, some blood, some violence. It was awesome. I can't wait for the next one. I can't wait to see this person, that person. That's our business. So is this. That's what I got to say about it. No, I agree. All right. Let's get to the first interview here. Chris Wade, he's going to be getting down against Brendan Lochnane on Saturday. The main card, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar in the sport of mixed martial arts. We're talking to Chris Wade, a semifinalist in the PFL. PFL Playoffs 3 is this Saturday. Yes, folks, I said Saturday. And the prelims start at 1 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. The main card is on ESPN at 3 p.m. Eastern. So, again, adjust the times. They're in jolly old England, London to be exact. Welcome back to the show, Chris. How are you? It's good to see you both again. I'm doing great. How are you? Good, thank you. What time's your pro practice? The one where you guys spar hard when you're back in Long Island. Do you what, what time do you guys run that at? Those are usually at eleven AM Eastern time. So I mean that would be around like five four, five o'clock PM here. Yeah. So honestly, I guess the time change isn't gonna be so bad. Right or are you? Do you, is it a struggle when you travel to adjust? I think just the first day is a struggle. Like today hurts. To, you know, not to tell the truth to the fans out there because they want to know, like, you know, what really goes on. Today is a hard. Whenever you're an international like athlete, um, to left at seven o'clock at night. My my training partner and I we can't really sleep on planes. And uh, we got maybe like 30 minutes to an hour of sleep and you get here and it's like 7.30 in the morning and you can't go to bed or you're, or you're screwed. And I made that mistake once earlier in my career. I fought in Amsterdam in the UFC. It was the same time change. And I fell asleep in the middle of the afternoon. I was messed up for days. I couldn't put weight back on when I made the weight after my fight. It was, it was like uh, one of the worst I uh competitively that i ever felt physically so 
we're we're powering through today, making sure that we don't fall asleep. We're checking on each other, yeah. Go, going for workouts. We're gonna get outside and uh, just make sure we don't pass out. Wow, I mean, so in 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 other words, you you kind of can learn from a lot. I mean, that fight was you know multiple years ago, but yet you retained it, and then you're applying it so that it doesn't. It doesn't hurt you here. It's funny because it's true. You can learn from every fight a little bit, you know, and this is something that even had to do with, you know, none, none of the actual face punching or anything like that. But I got it, man. I got it because this fight's so important. The winner goes to the finals. And of course, the finals is the million dollar prize. You've been kind of down this road before you've done the season. You've done the playoff success and you keep pushing forward. Um what does this year feel like compared to other years in terms of like the positivity towards having your hand raised and being the champ this year? Something feels different this year. I can't lie to you guys. Last year was the first year down at 45. Um, I did feel good later in the season, um, but I I was still trying to figure out making the weight, even like when I fought Bubba, I I was killing myself to make the weight. I was telling my coaches just to like not listen to me if I started to say crazy things, and um, it it was just a lot on me ballooning up and down. And now I'm uh, a year wiser, like you said. I I even take things that aren't so positive from fights I had five or six years ago. So. I try to always be learning. I try to always uh, take, take something as a lesson. And um, last year was my lesson in um, in how to handle 145. And this year, I, I really, truly feel it deep inside that this is my year and this is my weight class. When you heard that your weight class was headed towards England, were you, I guess happy i mean it, they usually have good crowds you are facing a a uh someone from england so you're you have the away game a lot of people thrive in that environment others would say nah no nah, i would have rather been at the one to make it a home game but then at the same time now people are you got tickets you're kind of organizing friends and family which did this scenario is this what you wanted or would you have preferred to fight a few weeks ago it's a double-edged sword for me um I, I see what you guys are saying about in regard to the home game situation where you have to deal with so many f friends and family and people that want to come and attention that needs to be shared because you want to be respectful of, of the people who care about you. It's a little easier. And for me, being a veteran and someone who's always um, the same thing, last time I was over here, it was brutal, like how bad they hated it, the Americans when we were in Amsterdam. Uh they were just, it was a chorus of booze the whole time from the walkout. Every time a couple of friends that came tried to get like a little chant going, they would boo down. So um, it energy is great. Energy is energy. I can thrive off negative energy just as well as I can off positive energy. Like you said, um, at least they've been great crowds here. And I'm excited for that. I want the energy as opposed to last year fighting in quarantine and nobody in the arena which is wild chris your division do you guys kind of walk with your heads up high above everyone else because consistently for me i feel like your division is the toughest one 
I mean, it's murderers row every fight. Um, how do you feel about your division as opposed to all the other ones there in PFL? Yeah, all all respect to my colleagues in other weight classes. They they um, what they do is extremely difficult as well. But um, I can confidently say that 145 pounds in the PFL is, is the toughest weight class, and there's no bones about it. Um, and you know, it doesn't matter who you're fighting. Like you said, you you could get pretty much any matchup, and it's a it's a tough matchup. There's no layups in the weight class, and uh, the the depth here is what sets us apart from some of the other weight classes. Some of the other weights have really premier stars, and uh, the, some of the best of the best. Kayla is one of the best women walking the earth that that does what she does, but. You know the depth isn't necessarily there. Um, even at at some of the heavier weights, you got you got uh, you got stars, but um, the people they'll face in the first round, they just kind of do what they want with them. And here, it's like everybody's killing each other. That's why I'm I'm so fortunate and and glad that I had a, a quick and uh, clean fight in the last bout to get yeah. through to this round. Chris, so in the PFL for the last three years, I think, uh, there's always been some big free agent signings. And then year after year, as George and I do these interviews, we usually come across these veterans and they kind of almost tell us the same things. And we, we get it. Some of it, I do give them credit. You know, I didn't expect the season to be this grueling. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. But do you feel like this is the year where maybe people are going to give the PFL uh, roster more credit where we stop saying it's because these veterans couldn't do that and we start saying no it's because the talent at the pfl is actually really high level and these guys have been doing it for a while yeah you know it's funny to say that because it, there was a there was a signing today uh with the pfl and, uh and at my weight and um and uh i i was just reading a few of the comments underneath the pfl's post about it like some of these fans are so obnoxious and they're saying like the most insane things like well there goes that guy's career you'll never see him again and um they're so brainwashed by the fact that they they really believe that the ufc is like this um this untouchable um level that everyone underneath it is um not not as good and that if you leave that that it's because you couldn't handle the com competitive part of it not because of politics not because of relationships with other people who run the company they don't see the full picture they just see ufc 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 blasted in their face and it's time for the pfl to get its respect um and perfect example of that is you know these guys that are coming over, crossing over, I think there was like three of them and they're making a ton of money and the season is so damn grueling and the competition is so damn tough that I think like, I don't, I don't know if any of them have even made the finals ever. And that's a testament to how tough this league is. It's not because, Oh, they don't have it anymore. And, and Dana White, like this crystal ball, uh, you know, knows how to predict the future those guys can still cross back over and beat the shit out of somebody over there it's it's 
it doesn't mean just because you wear three letters on your shirt that like you're you're better than someone else when you go to the real fighters know that when you go to the gym and you're barring other guys and you're like who the hell was that guy and you'll find <laughs> out that the guys the guy's not even in one of the bigger leagues yet you're like holy shit that dude's a hammer and uh it's, it's just a big world out there and um you're absolutely right it's it's time for for us you know for the pfl to to get that respect that this is it's not just deep of rosters the format is way tougher than any other fight organization the the rigors of this season is is nothing to joke about I heard that, man. Looking at your record, four fights in 2018, four fights in 2019, four fights in 2021. Uh, you know, and of course, if things go well, it'll be four fights in 2022. I mean, it's a, the pandemic is almost a blessing just to give your body a break. You know, <laughs> of course, I'm saying that facetiously. Oh, good during the pandemic. I got big. I was lifting. I was, man, I was like 180 something. Felt great, but. <laughs> we're back to, we're back to fight weight now you know what's funny is when we're at the gym over at extreme couture us as media and fans as we're sitting there there are often times where i say the exact same thing i'll pull eric aside the the one of the coaches there yeah i know eric, eric, yeah, yeah, eric yeah. nixick and i'm like who the who the hell's that dude man like just some guy that you know maybe flew in from uh, another part of the world or is a young cat coming through putting on the show, you know, trying to, trying to earn their respect, but, oh man, you cannot. Yeah. That's one thing about the sport is you cannot be lazy because there's just young, hungry cubs chasing down the, the lions, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, all it takes is a few years of experience honing their skills and they're right, they're right there, you know, they're right there. So it's a matter of blending your experience and obviously that hunger and, you know, that's when they say you're obviously in your prime because you got both. Sometimes you're young, but you don't have that experience. You commit mistakes or whatever. But uh, sometimes you get a little older and you just can't your body can't do what you your brain's telling it to do. And that's the fine balance. Um, Chris, man, I want to wish you the best of luck against Brendan Lochnane. This should be a great fight. He is also a fun fighter to watch. So are you. And I, yeah, I'm targeting this as one of the best fights of the weekend, and that includes MVP versus Platinum Perry and Bare Knuckle, uh, Costa and Rockhold. I mean, you know, this this is one of them, man. So I will be sitting there with popcorn watching. And uh, again, thanks for your time, and hopefully, again, that that weight cut and the uh, the time difference, the jet lag doesn't doesn't do a number on you. Hopefully, you can all nip it in the bud tonight. Oh yeah, we will. We're like I said, we've been around the box, so uh, we know how to handle it, and I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You you always uh, have me on. We always have great talks, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you before the final. Yeah, we we will, we will, and by then we'll know where the Mets and the Dodgers sit. You know what I mean? Because your 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 team's doing really really well, and obviously the Dodgers are as well. So <laughs> could, could be an NLCS matchup. You know, looking forward yeah. to. It. I feel it coming. I, I feel it coming. I, I do. NLCS, I like it. All right, man. Take care. We'll see you. Have a great day, guys. As always, a pleasure to talk to uh, Chris Wade, and he sounds as ready as, he, as he's ever been. I really like hearing that this year the weight 
has been even more dialed in than in previous seasons. He's just been so close before, you know, that uh, it's, it was, it's almost heartbreaking. Um, but I do feel like this year, uh, I, I believe him when he says it feels different. Um, this, this is just a dude that seems like he has a lot of confidence in him. And just seeing him and Lockning kind of get into it a little bit as they were taking their photos got me hyped up for this fight, man. I'm really excited for it. You know, him and Bubba Jenkins was one hell of a fight. It took a lot out of him. So he already knows that if he has to face Bubba in the finals, that's going to be a tough finals. But Lockning is no joke. He's a formidable semifinalist opponent, and Lockning has got a home game. Uh, he's got experience now in the PFL, as does Chris Wade. It's going to be a great fight. you got to tune in. And whoever wins the million dollars there, it's going to be well-deserved, man, Between in that division. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of talent in that division. And this is without Movlet even fighting this year, the defending champion. Um, you know, Lance Palmer couldn't even get into the semifinals. He said he had a clear head going into the season. Respect the Palmer. He's won it two years in a row, but he uh, wasn't able to get in there this time. And how about the fact that probably Shane Burgos will be joining these cats next year? That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Already setting the foundation for... 2023 you know you don't ever so okay maybe came at dana a little bit here early on but uh i'll come to his defense here i thought that was kind of cool that he said hey we we let this guy go we shouldn't have done that oh uh, i was like wow this guy that was one hell of a of a pivot from me talking about pfl you went back to dana <laughs> oh no no yeah yeah um you know he was honest. He said, I, I don't think he's ever going to, he was ever going to win a belt, but he's definitely a guy that's fun to have on the roster and, and worth something. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not always the guys that are in the main event that are worth something on your cards. And uh, I thought that was raw. I thought that was, a, if I'm Shane Burgos, I, I, I would enjoy hearing something like that. And he didn't have I to would. say it. He didn't I have would. to say it. You wouldn't? I wouldn't because Burgos at eight and three, that's a good record, man. That's not a bad record. It's not a great record. It's not a bad record. But all I can say is Charles Oliveira, Michael Bisping, there have been fighters that probably um, started off 8-3 and three or worse, and they became champions. So he doesn't know. He doesn't know what Shane Burgos had inside of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, what it seemed like was in saying something nice, like, damn, man, he got away. We, we said something nice. His ego still... Doesn't allow him to go, but, you know, we don't make many mistakes. Probably wasn't going to be a champion. No, man, that's not the way you talk about someone else. Someone that you're trying to say something nice to and pay some respect to who does incredible things in front of you for your company. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, that, that's just, you, you don't know that. And, and uh, I, again, I pointed to two, at least two examples there in, in Bisping and and Charles Oliver, I can pull up the records, you know, if we if, while we're talking on the next topic, and I bet you I can get to it. And I don't think neither one, um, I think either, I, I think eight and three is probably what, what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, do you think he's going to win the belt? I think he's got a good chance to win a, a belt at PFL. And could he have yeah, won yeah, well. one in the UFC? Uh, I guess if you look at it as the things I've said about Alexander Volkanovsky lately, you know, that's tough. You know, that, that is tough to just get past the, the road to get to Volkanovsky. 
is very, very tough. Um, so probably not, but I still don't think as the president of the company, I, I say that that way. Um, cause you're almost making it sound like not a tomato can. That would be too overboard. Um, mm. but you're almost making it sound like he's a kind of like a filler, like a card filler, you know, and maybe, uh, and maybe he is, but it, again, at eight and three, it's still too early to tell. You know, if he is or if he isn't. Oh, here's another one that jumps out at me. Benil Dariush. I'll pull him up as well. You know, it could have been Dariush versus Oliveira because Dariush has faced stiffer competition than Islam Makashev, who has a better record than Dariush. You know what I mean? But there's just a lot of fighters. I bet uh, I bet you maybe I could even do it with Glover Teixeira. I mean, it's eight and three is you, you, you just don't know. You know, you, Juliana Pena. I mean, like, I think she was six and one when she beat. Um, Amanda Nunez, but I'm talking more about the upset that you just wouldn't have expected. So is my money on Burgos to do it? Probably not, but I would do 10, 10 to win 800 or whatever the odds are that he would do. Yeah, sure. I'd take 10 bucks out of my pocket. Would I do the mortgage on the house? No, I wouldn't. Um, but still, I, I, it's one of those unnecessary comments that he tends to, to do. This is just a guess, okay? But I'm thinking what he's trying to say is maybe save a little face with his employees in saying this isn't the most you know egregious thing that's ever happened. And like we cut Francis and Ganu, mm-hmm. but I do feel like we made a mistake. Maybe he's just trying to save a little face for whoever that decision came down to, Hunter Campbell or whoever, right? Uh, yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. But you're right. You could still make that point without making without saying that. You want to know something goes? Uh, I'm looking at Glover Teixeira right now. He started off in the UFC with five wins, two losses, three wins, one loss. What's that? Eight and three. And guess what? That loss was Anthony Johnson. Remember when Anthony Johnson just completely iced him? It was one punch here in Las Vegas. It was really, really early in the first round, too, like 13 seconds in. So he's an eight and three coming off a loss and became a world champion. Shane Burgos is eight and three coming off a win, you know, but again, and at that time, the question would have been, hey, do you think Glover's got what it takes to to be a world champion? And, you know, by then he had already faced John Jones, but basically he was in the same category as John Jones, whereas Burgos is with Volkanovski. I don't want anyone to think, oh, my God, this guy's all over Burgos' is nuts. But, um, <laughs> you know, like I say, I, I the, the exciting thing about his sport, too, and his promotion, his league, his business – is that anything can happen? But again, um, why not pay these athletes just that respect that they do deserve? You started down the road of saying something nice, finish it with something nice. You know that little that little deal. Like, yeah, she broke up with me. You know, and we're gonna be friends. But ah, she couldn't cook. You know, it's like one of those. Like you sound mm-hmm. like a little whiny there at the end. Um. All right, how about Luke Rockhold just going off since we're on that topic of fighter pay? And then Francis Ngannou even chiming in. I got a few thoughts on that. Ngannou, well, Rockhold's thing's just been going on for a while. He just seems like he's bitter towards the UFC, specifically Dana White, probably the way he conducts himself, maybe a little bit of even what I was saying. But, um, you know, fighter pay – I think this is just of the athletes that's starting to wind down their career, and maybe they they're not retiring with as much as they thought they would. And you know, he's a former Strikeforce champion, he's a former UFC champion. Why am I not? You know, you, you look at these Forbes lists, 
by the time LeBron retires, I don't know if you saw it, by the way, LeBron just resigned two more years for $97 million. Yeah. He's going to have to work another day in his life, you know, and a lot of other athletes kind of have that. If I had to throw a, a number at, at, at Luke Rockhold's uh, net worth, I'd say 10 at the most, two at the least, maybe. I don't know, because, you know, he's with Polo and oh, yeah, overall sponsor. Huh? Overall, you mean, yeah. like his, Yeah, yeah, his, you know, and that's just – it's tough because when you start to – make a lot of money you spend a lot of money so do you wind up with a lot of money that's the question you know i don't know and um but see dana white looks at it as we gave you a platform it ain't my problem you know what i mean but he's he's got at least half of a billion so mm-hmm. i think the athletes are like damn i know you took a risk homie but you know it was your boys that came in with a few million dollars yeah you guys worked your asses off yeah you turned it around but i worked my ass off too so i think there's just this bitterness and how much of it is valid? I don't know. Um, how much should you have stood for yourself back in the day? I don't know. I know. I know. We did our job. Goes. We're, we've always been pushing it to the point where our listeners go. Sometimes you guys are just so consumed with money, you know. And I'm like, ah, bah, 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 but we've seen it in other sports. But what you? What are your thoughts on Rock Holden and Ghani? Well, I think there's going to be repercussions for it. Um, this is a fight with Paulo Costa that I, I, I mean, they're not happy with either one of those guys, but uh, I think somebody's going to pay for their comments. Maybe even Francis, you know, I'm sure they'll make his life hell. They just don't like that type of stuff to happen. The UFC does. And so, um, yeah, something's going to happen. Um, Apparently Dana White's not going to be at the press conference. I, I heard behind the scenes that his name wasn't listed as one of those for the press conference, and I don't know if it's because of this or what, but he usually is there. He's the master of ceremonies. Maybe it'll be John Anik, but that should speak a little bit of volumes. Of course, Dana White would get mad at my assumption, my speculation, but again, I've covered the sport for a while, and I'm, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you be there? It's a one-hour flight. you got private jets. What's really holding you back? I mean, conducting a press conference is a big deal. Yeah, Utah's not even that far. You know, right. If you get on a private jet, you're there pretty soon. Uh, yeah. Even commercial, you're there pretty quick. But uh, what do you, what's your take on bonuses? When the fighters say, hey, man, it's been 50 grand for like 10 years. Um, I always used to think, this is me back in the day, a $50,000 bonus is pretty legit, right? Considering what the pay was at that time. And even today, you know, if you look at some of the salaries, like that's, that's a huge, like if somebody told you at your work, you got a 50% bump, you go, holy shit, right? Like, uh, that just doesn't happen, but they are right. It has been that for a long time. What's right. your take on bonuses? How would you fix that? Because remember, at any moment, the UFC could go, well, how about no bonuses? That's a, just a bonus. Like, you're lucky we even do that. But I do think people would, uh, that might be the what that straw that breaks the camel's back if they ever did that. But yeah. uh, but what do you think? Like, what, what would make uh, everybody happy? So here's a quick little history on bonuses, and I hope I get this right, but I, Luke at least backed it up with something. He said when George fought Jake, he meant UFC 129, I believe. I think they went so far as to go, this card's so big, it's in the stadium for the first time. The bonus is going to be 129000 for each person. And so that was a big deal. But remember, bonuses used to be 70, sometimes 80, sometimes 65. And I think what happened was it may have only been for the pay-per-views. And what they said was, well, that's unfair to the ones that are just on the regular cards, right, on Fuel TV or FX or FXX or whatever, 
And so what they said, I'll tell you what, we're going to spread this bonus money across all of them. It's always going to be 50K. So that's why it came down from the 80s, the 70s, the 129s or whatever. Now you could fight on any card, Apex card with 200 people or uh, T-Mobile with 20,000 people. It's going to be 50. But then the UFC started going, oh, I'm feeling it. We're back in London. The crowd was nuts. Every bonus, everyone that finishes gets a bonus. Singapore, you guys did it. I wasn't there to hear the crowd or to feel it, but you guys did it. You guys get one. San Diego, I was there. The crowd was loud. Nah, we're just sticking with four, you know, and I, I think the fighters are back to like, well, wait a minute. It's kind of unfair. It kind of reminds me of the old days when you were on a pay-per-view and somebody might get 129 or 70 and somebody that was on a smaller fight card ain't getting shit. So, like, you're a proper business, a billion-dollar business. Have some sort of a format is all I'm saying. My, I propose... A way to bump it is get away from two hundred thousand and go straight to three hundred thousand. All right, three hundred thousand. How you split it is I've been thinking about this, and I know we're going to go over on the show, and I apologize, but I think this is important. Um, you have three hundred thousand, and you have your fight of the night. A few weeks ago, I said all finishers forget about the fight of the night because one guy technically lost, but if he was in a hell of a fight and a split decision. Maybe he does deserve that. Maybe he deserves oh, yeah. it. Maybe, maybe he or she was in such a war that brought the fans out of their feet and it was better than someone that got a quick knockout or submission. You know, maybe not to that person, but still. So now you have your 100 from the 300, right? 50 and 50. Then you have 200 to play with. If you had five finishes, that's 40,000 each. Four finishes, 50,000 each. Three finishes, 66,000 each. Two finishes, a hundred thousand each. One finish, should that person get two hundred? Ooh, I don't know. I think they may have gotten themselves a little bit too lucky. Hell, I'm even wondering if the two people that got um a hundred thousand each, you know, now the fight of the night guy's going, fuck. It was fight of the night, but I finished my guy in the third round. Like Yeah, you gotta you know, count. Like, ah, you so see it's, it gets a little complicated with that pie. Could there be a carryover? Maybe, you know, I don't know, but at least always have some sort of a kitty there for all finishers because that's something it's a pattern you've kind of established and i like for them to keep it now here's my thing i did the math right i'm just gonna go with 40 but i think they do 42 events a year but 40 is easier Two hundred thousand times 40 events is uh, eight million dollars so the ufc when they do their budget at the beginning of the year they're like okay we need eight million dollars to give out these bonuses if you were to bump it to three hundred thousand they would go to 12 million in their budget. Dude, when they're getting like a bonus of 700 million because they delivered all 42 shows on ESPN and they're breaking these records on pay-per-view and they go from a value of 4.025 billion to now 7 billion and they get crypto money and venom money and you know what I mean and every you see all those all those uh sponsors on the on the mat. Come on man, that Four million is not going to break you, all right? It's not going to break the company, but it would send a strong message to a lot of the fighters. We're doing something up the fighter pay, and we're going to do it across the board. We're going to give more bonuses out. It's going to be more consistent and and address the finishes. Address the finishes. Give them to those finishers one way or another, and uh, I think that would go far. I've even told people in the past, how about a second corner man's ticket for, you know, or at least the main event, or at least the ones that travel international. Like, there's just a few little things that they could do 
there that uh, I think would appease the fighters. Because I know the PI, you know, that stuff's great and all, but if you are in France, you don't use the PI. You got to move here, I guess. But um, the PI is just not available to everybody, the food, all that stuff. But we got to get to our next guest. She's waiting. Kayla Harrison fighting on Saturday. She's the main event at PFL Playoffs 9. And, of course, she is a two-time defending champion there over at PFL, one of the greats in all of mixed martial arts, not just WMMA. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another MMA superstar. This time we get to talk to the two-time defending champion over at PFL in the lightweight division. Of course, we're talking about Kayla Harrison, who headlines PFL Playoffs 9. It's this Saturday. Pay attention, folks. 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on ESPN. Her opponent, Martina Jindrova. Welcome back to Junkie Radio. Kayla, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for doing the show. And, you know, I... Wanted to get my ducks in a row, did a little research. London, obviously, you've answered this question where you won one of your gold medals. But I was curious. It seemed like you favored this one over Rio. I'm sure they're both special, but why would you favor this one? Uh, just because it was the first? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think just, you know, um, to be America's first Olympic champion, man or woman, you know, it was my first Olympics. I had been dreaming of it since I was six years old. So to come out to win, um, to win in style and to make history was it was really special. It, it was something that you really couldn't script. And, and I think to just everything I had been through in my life, um, it was uh, it was very real. And then, if I may, one question about Brazil. That was a stressful time. I don't know if a lot of people remember, but I believe there was something called the Zika virus going around, and a lot of athletes chose to not participate and of course yeah. i believe it was affecting women more than men was there any thought in your mind did you give it a, a once over you know some research before you hopped on that plane no <laughs> okay <laughs> you just went out there and smashed right yeah i mean i'm just uh if it's my time it's my time but i gotta live my life right um you know one could look at it as you've had uh, six title defenses in a way. So obviously you guys go season format with playoffs, but you ever look at it that way? I mean, that that's obviously how we separate the greats when we have goat talk, you know, us nerdy MMA guys. We're like, oh yeah, well, how many title defenses? But in your, uh, you know, batting on your behalf, that's what we're looking at. Six going on seven and eight. Very impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, really every time you get in the cage, right? I think coming in as a two-time Olympic champion, um, with the record I have every time you get in the cage, it's kind of, you're putting, you know, everything on the line, but I don't, you know, I think the beauty of my career is that I have had failure before I've struggled. I've lost, I've, I've fallen flat on my face multiple times. And, um, I know that it doesn't define me. I know that it doesn't, make or break me. I know that I do inside the cage is a personal thing and it's what I do because I love to do it and I want to see how high I can climb and I want to see a legacy that I can create, but it doesn't um, doesn't define me and that's why I have peace with it all. And I think that's why I compete. 
at a high level back to back to back to back over and over and over again. Every opponent is a new puzzle to solve is what the great Randy Couture tells us. Uh, and I wanted to ask you for Martina Jindrova, what stood out to you without obviously giving away your game plan? Not that it's ever stopped you from accomplishing what you have. I don't believe you've ever lost a round, but still like what's, you know, be, be it her last performance or just her overall skill set, what's jumped out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think she's, you know, she, she's an excellent striker. She, she has really good footwork. Um, she's big, strong, sturdy girl. Um, I think that she's, she's a very worthy opponent. She's awesome. I have nothing but good to say about her. It's, it's going to be your classic striker versus grappler, you know. Um, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to instill my will on rounds at a time, one exchange at a time, one minute at a time, one breath at a time. And uh, we're going to see what happens. Kayla, I think in the history of covering the show, I don't remember a fighter coming on the scene and then, like, just within a couple years, already feeling like you're talking to this veteran that's been doing this forever. <laughs> this transition that you've had has been so quick. And when you think about it, the amount of fights that you get. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, like, sometimes we ask fighters that come off of, like, the ultimate fighter. And how long does it feel to, to shed the ultimate fighter and feel like I'm a veteran now of the sport? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that inside of you because of how much you've competed already uh, early in this career? Do you feel that veteran status at all? No, <laughs> no. My son always jokes once you, once you have five fights, you're a veteran. But I'm like, there's no way in hell that that's the truth. Um, yeah, I can only compare it to my judo career, right? And I started judo when I was six years old. So the amount of hours that I spent doing judo, I mean, I started doing two days when I was 12. Um, I retired from the sport when I was 26. And I probably had the longest break off the mat I had was when I had knee, reconstructive knee surgery. So that was, what, maybe three months without doing judo, four months without doing judo. So, you know, 12 to 26, twice a day, um, six days a week, competing back to back to back to back to back to back. You know, that makes you a veteran. That makes you comfortable. That makes you feel at home um, on the mats. So I, I definitely don't I feel composed and I feel poised, but I don't feel like I'm a veteran. I don't feel like I've even touched the tip of the iceberg on, on how good I can get and, and what I can accomplish. You know, I always enjoy hearing you and your coaches talk about the fight game, but one of the things that I gravitate to the most is what you say about things kind of still surrounding the fight game, but a little bit on the outside. And one thing I find interesting is um, the, the circle of people that you have to keep close to you and not letting any poison get into that. Can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about the people that you have surrounding you and, and how you handle your circle in MMA? Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that that's one of the most important, you know, pieces of success is to surround yourself with the right people. You know, I talk a lot about there's no secret formula and you have to believe in yourself. You have to surround yourself with people who believe in you. But there's also the negative side of that. So you also have to make sure that you don't get – uh, fooled by what I have to call yes men or people who really don't have your best interest at heart, um, people who don't care about you as the person or, or you um, at a deeper level. So that's, I think, with money and, and success, those people try to creep in more and more and more. But, uh, you know, from day one, I've had, <laughs> I've had a, lot, a little bit of luck and, and um, 
you know, my judo coaches, Jimmy, Big Jim, they're still, they're like my family. I still talk to them almost every day. Big Jim still comes to most of my fights. He actually just had um, coronavirus, so he is a little under the weather, so that's why he's not here in London. But, um, you know, Big Jim, Mike Brown, Steve Mako, Anderson Franca, you know, even, uh, you know, Richie and Dan at the gym, the people who I spend a lot of time with are, are um people who care about me and what's best for me. And Big Jim, you know, isn't afraid to tell me like, hey, you know, you're not working hard enough or hey, you know, shut up. Like <laughs> he's known me since I was 16, you know, he's known me since I was 15. Um, so I, I don't have any yes men around me and I consider that a blessing. You know, although sometimes we, we butt heads and there's some friction, um, I know it's what a big piece of what makes me successful, and keeps me grounded. That must be a big gym attribute because we yes. have a big gym that would do the exact same thing. I think once really? you graduate to yeah. big gym, like, you have to do that. But yeah. um, okay, so I wanted to ask you. Um, I know you're not anywhere near calling this a career, but when it's all said and done, what's the one memory that you think will always bring a smile on your face, and then the one memory that you feel like might keep you up at night? Um, I think my last fight, you know. There's going to be a lot. There's going to be so, there's so much more to tell me, guys. I think, to be honest with you, my last fight, when the kids came to the weigh-ins with me and they got out, out there and they showed off their muscles and <laughs> um, having my whole family there, um, you know, for the first time was a big, that was big for me. And I really enjoyed that. Um, my kids came to my fights last year, but they didn't, weren't quite the same or two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, two years ago with um, when it was COVID, um, but it wasn't quite the same. Emory was so little. So getting to share that with them and experience that with them was really fun and really special for me. And a smile that, uh, a memory that won't bring a smile to my face. Man, hmm. Please don't say doing our show. I mean, probably the media. <laughs> uh, no, I think... Um, I have I have no complaints. My life is truly a blessing. Um, I'm grateful for everything, the the good and the bad, because I know that without some of the bad moments, without some of the the down, the pain, the the sorrow, that I wouldn't grow. You know, I feel like I truly um, grow when I'm challenged and and when I'm maybe not when life isn't all sunshine and rainbows, what is that saying? Like you can't, you can't enjoy the, the sunshine without the, the rain, right? You can't enjoy the rainbow without the rain. So I wouldn't, there's nothing that I wouldn't look back on and smile about my whole career. That includes from the time I started combat sports. I think that everything happened to me for a reason. I truly believe um, that God gave me a purpose on this earth and um, I'm going to take it. I'm going to embrace it and, and I'm going to, do my best to, to make it all worthwhile, the good and the bad. By the way, even though it was a one-time pit stop, and I don't know if you'll ever return, I really enjoyed seeing you at Invicta because it seems like all the great uh, female fighters in our sport have at some point uh, been there. Sure. So, no, I really yeah. enjoyed that time. I really enjoyed fighting at 145. I enjoyed fighting for Invicta. I think that was a, a great, like you said, all the greats have come through, through through there. So that was a good experience for me. And obviously... Get to lay an elbow on someone was a lot of fun too. <laughs> um, just a couple last more, a uh, couple more here. Um, when Don Davis made that announcement, did your eyeballs pop out? Because that was impressive—a million each, two million to the 
to the winner. Uh, I was like, whoa, like, okay, this guy's talking a big game. Like, I love it. No, he means it. He's not talking. He means it. And mm -hmm. I wasn't surprised. You know, I think that um, PFL is here to, to, to make some, some big moves and, and they're not going anywhere and I'm happy to be a part of it. And we both want that fight. So we're doing everything we can to make it happen. PFL's no joke, man. This year they've really taken it to another level. You know, some salaries came out a few months ago. Again, eye popping moment there. Uh, they just shined, excuse me, signed uh, Shane Burgos. That was very, very impressive. And then even on the heels of Verdum a few years ago, McDonald, you know, it, it's, mm -hmm. I, I really love what they've been doing. Um, and then lastly, so I, I, you know, studying or, you know, not, not a deep dive, but just looking at your judo career, I, um, I tied it into this question. How popular do you feel you are with Brazilian fans? Because <laughs> obviously you have the, the, the two, the two that often get brought up and, yeah. but I noticed that Myra Aguiar, wow, you guys battled nine times. You actually prevented her from winning gold. Um, she got a couple on you as well credit to her uh, i don't even know what your relationship is with her but just you versus brazil athletes that's been going on for a while i know i know story of my life always got a tough brazilian in front of me <laughs> yeah um but i have nothing but good memories again in brazil and rio another life-changing moment for me really some of the greatest memories of my life um were there and the people of brazil you know, they warmed up to me. Um, so I hope they know that I, I have nothing but respect for them. And I'm not sure what they think about me. I'm not sure. We'll find out when I fight a fight in Brazil someday, I guess. Yeah. And does your mind tell you that's going to happen? One of the two um, versus Kayla. It, it's just going to happen. Like, don't even worry about it because it's going to happen. Is that your mindset? You know, I believe that. Um, Thing, a lot of things are out of my control, right? I can only I can only control me. I, I can only get up every day, train my ass off, work hard, keep my nose down, stay steady, pushing, and and be so good that they can't ignore me. So, um, I'm trying to will it into existence, and, and I believe in myself, and I believe in my team, and I believe in in that I have a purpose, and hopefully, if it's meant to be, it'll be. If it's meant to happen, it'll happen. And I'll be ready for it when it does. Thank you, as always, for jumping on Junkie Radio. My pleasure. All right. Yeah, it looks like she's getting to the tail end of the media there. We we uh, dodged the bullet. I thought maybe we might get lumped in there on some uh, – you asked her that question, what would you want to forget <laughs> or what's a memory you – you know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, thought she was going to say that you question. Bastards. You bastard. <laughs> Yeah, thank you to Greg Savage for helping out with those two interviews. We got to get out of here pretty soon. UFC 278 is on Saturday. Goes and I are hosting a watch along for that event. Tell you what, folks, what we're going to do is we took some notes on what we wanted to talk about. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about some of these topics like Luke Rockhold, Francis Ngannou. I had a few more thoughts on that. At the watch along, we'll do it. You know, there's sometimes a little bit of downtime in between fights. We're going to be there at 8 p.m. Eastern. 5 p.m. Pacific for four fights on the prelims and five fights on the main card. And uh, it's going to be a fun time. Give away a bobblehead. So join us then here on MMA Junkie. And if you see us tweeting or posting on Facebook or any other social media, give it a, a retweet if you can, a share. 
get as many as many people as possible in there. Watch the fights with us, and even better because these are seventy five dollar events. These pay per views. If you can't pony it up for whatever reason, let us tell you what's happening in real time. We'll be your eyes and ears. I know a lot of our audience, you know, uh, does that. So you can join us there with uh, in the chat room on Saturday, and we can have a good time, and we'll discuss some of these big topics uh, in a little bit more detail on the watch along. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, and thanks to Chris Wade and Kayla Harrison. Keep an eye. Throughout the week, we got a lockdown, man. We have Abby down out in London covering the the um, bare knuckle events, bare knuckle fighting event card, and then we have Mike Bond in Utah along with Ken Hathaway, and they are covering UFC 278. I mean, we got it all. We're covering it, and we're putting stories out every half hour. The team is grinding, working hard. And one last thing, a quick plug to Spinning Backclick. Check that out every week. It drops on Tuesday morning, and I think we might even have a, a big announcement on that coming up soon. That features Goes and I pretty much every week. YouTube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. We're out of here, folks. Enjoy your day. Enjoy the weekend. See Saturday. Go out and be a champion.